Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. Take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 22. As we're walking through the I Am statements of Jesus, last week we, we backed way, way up and we went to Exodus 3, where this, where this term I Am originated. And today we're going to, we're going to look at the first of, of Jesus' I Am statements during his ministry. You know, it's, it's funny, when you start to think about Jesus as the bread of life, um, man, I don't know about you, but the first thing that pops into my mind is like, uh, Texas Roadhouse, Logan's Roadhouse, like, like those rolls that you get, right? Like, like listen, I, I don't care if you go and just order a side salad, you're going to eat like 15 rolls, right? Why? Because they're delicious. That's why. And there's something about bread. You know, from, from almost the, the beginning of mankind, the beginning of civilization, bread has been one of the primary uh, food sources for us. And now, you know, so, so um, Michelle and I, she, she's, she's out of here, so I'm going to talk about her just for a little bit, all right? She, she's put us on this diet, on, on this diet that's um, um, not, not anti-carbs, but kind of anti-carbs, uh, low, low carbs, right? Which means, of course, no bread. Now, you would think that would be easy, right? Until, so, so she, she keeps bread around for the kids, she baked fresh bread last week. Now, how many of you guys, so, so this, man, this takes me back to my kid, my, my, my life as a kid. Um, how many of y'all, anybody here had the bread, John the bread maker that they came out with? Like, like in the 90s, right? That revolutionized the way we made bread. So I remember uh, like some Sunday mornings getting up and my mom would have like made this stuff, you know, made the dough, put it in there and then it would start spinning. And by the time we got back from church, it, it had risen and then it started baking. And by, by 3 or 4 o'clock, by the time it was actually finally done with its, with its process, like the whole house just smelled like bread. You know, maybe, maybe moving worship up and, and pushing lunch back has not been such a good idea. Because <laughs> all of a sudden... Man, there, but there's just something about bread, right? And, and, and listen, so, so when Jesus comes in, and the first I am statement that he makes is, I am the bread of life, which we're going to look at in just a minute, that resonated with people, particularly when we understand that this passage comes immediately after, on the very next day after he fed the 5,000. He had just provided uh, 5,000 men, we're told, so somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people with a meal out of five loaves and two fish. We're going to see that today that the people come flocking to him again, begging him to, to feed them again, to show them something else about himself. So if you will, join me in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 22, and we're going to go down through verse 40. And let's stand as we read the word that the Lord has given to us this morning. John writes, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw there had only been one boat. They also saw that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone off alone. Some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. 
When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, to, then they said Sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather and open up your word as your people this morning. I pray as we look at this statement of Jesus, I am the bread of life, you would open our eyes. To, to see the things that we're pursuing that can only be satisfied in Christ Jesus. Convict us of sin this morning. And I pray you would call men and women to step from death to life here today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, you can have a seat. Thank you. What I want us to look at this morning, we're, we're going to look at four things uh, that, that if you focus on them in your own life, you will be frustrated. Four things that the people here in, in our text were looking to get, that, that stuff they wanted Jesus to do for them. Not because they wanted him, but because they wanted what he would do for them. And if we focus on these things, we will be continually frustrated in our, uh, in our physical lives, and more so in our spiritual lives. The first thing that, that you will be continually frustrated in your life if you focus on is miracles. Look with me. So, so pick up verse 22 here. Let's, let's read down to verse 27. The next day the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw there had been only one boat. They also saw that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but that the disciples had gone off alone. Now remember, so Jesus had just fed the 5,000, and then his disciples get in a boat and they head off to the other side of, the, uh, of the, the lake. Jesus heads off by himself. Right immediately before we get to our passage this morning, Jesus walks on the water out to his disciples. So the next day, the, the crowds wake up and they, they know, okay, Jesus' disciples are gone, but, but we know that Jesus didn't go with them. So, so they set out to go find Jesus, thinking he's still there with, with them. <clears throat> So, so then they finally go to the other side of the sea, and they see him there, and everybody's scratching their heads going, Jesus' disciples got in the boat, 
He, he didn't get in the boat. All the boats are, all the rest of the boats are still here. So they're kind of scratching their head going, Jesus, how did you get over here? And look here, verse 26, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. And then jump down and look at verse 30. They ask Jesus here, they say, What sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? Now, now this is where Jesus is a better guy than I would be, Okay. Because remember, he just took five loaves, two fish, and fed 20,000 people. And the next day, the people are saying, well, so, so do something for us. Perform a magic trick for us. Show us who you really are. And this is one of those instances, like if I'm Jesus, I would have been tempted to like call down the fire from heaven and just... <laughs> so be glad that I'm not the Messiah, okay? Because that, that things would not have ended very well. See, they constantly wanted Jesus to perform for them. Now, now think about all that they had seen. The crowds who had been following Jesus have already seen him heal some folks. And they just got the world's best free meal ever. But it's not enough. They want more. If you're basing your faith on God constantly performing supernatural miracles in your life, you will be frustrated. Why? Because he can't do it? No, of course not. But because we overlook the miracles that happen to us each and every day. And here's why I say that. Um, did, did you know that your body alone has over 700 trillion blood vessels running through you? Or blood, blood cells. Sorry, not blood vessels. That's wrong. Blood, blood cells. Think about all the miracles that occur every day just to keep our world spinning the way it is. That in the very tight window in our solar system where life can exist, we, we, we are here. And we've stayed here. As, as Paul would write, through the sustaining hand of Jesus Christ. So if you're constantly looking for God to come through in mighty ways, and, and let's be honest, usually we want God to come through and bail us out of messes that we've got ourselves into, yes? Yes? Lord, I didn't study last night. I need you to somehow supernaturally help me remember all the stuff that I've heard this semester. Lord, I'm not ready for this presentation, so if you can just, uh, you know, make stuff come together on my computer, that'd be awesome. If you're constantly waiting on miracles, flashy stuff to happen, you will be frustrated. Second thing that, that will cause you to be frustrated in, in your spiritual life is if you're constantly relying on your own muscle. So, so look here at verse 28 and 29. The people ask him, what can we do to perform the works of God? Jesus replied, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. See, again, since the beginning of time, people have asked this question. What can I do to earn God's favor? What can I do to be good enough? What can I do to do, in this case, Jesus, then what can we do to, uh, to, to, to do the flashy things that you've done? 
And Jesus said, there, there's, there's no trick. You, you believe. Remember the rich young ruler, Matthew 19? This is a guy who has everything, and yet he knows something's missing. So he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? How can I earn it? Listen, I'll do anything. Maybe he was even thinking he could he, he'd give Jesus a certain amount of money, because well, let's be honest, if you've got that much money, there's not much in life that you cannot accomplish with your money alone, and yet there was this void in his life that he knew was missing. What can I do? The thing that, of course, he missed, the thing that the people missed here is that you, you can't earn it. You can't ever be good enough. Isaiah wrote that our best deeds, the best that we can do, are filthy rags in the sight of God's righteousness. Salvation cannot be earned. It's a gift, as Paul tells us in Ephesians 2. By grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. If you're here today and you've been trying to do enough good things to outweigh the bad things, so that somehow you might gain God's approval or earn God's grace. Let me tell you, the, the answer today is not to do more. The answer today is to stop doing and surrender. Third thing that, that the people were looking for, people were relying on, and that you will constantly be frustrated. They, they came and they were looking for more manna. G give me some poetic license here, all right? I'm keeping everything in the M's. They, they were looking for bread. They were looking for another meal, right? Look at, in verse 30 again, Jesus said, or, or they asked uh, Jesus, um, what sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? What are you going to perform? Verse 31, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now again, us reading this would have a tendency to go, are you serious? Like he just fed you. He just performed an amazing sign and gave you this miraculous meal. And, and here you are saying, well, you, you know, Moses, when, when people followed Moses, they had, they had bread in the wilderness. So what are you going to give us? See, here I think the, the manna represents not just, not just bread, it represents material stuff in general. God, what are you going to give me? You just gave me a little bit more than, than, than I could be able to follow you. If I just got a raise. If my house was just a little bit bigger, I'd be able to have people over more, and then I could tell them about you. You know, if, if that winning lottery ticket would just blow up on my, on my doorstep, um, Lord, I would tithe on it, I promise. Any fans of The Office here? If, so if I throw out an office, an office reference, I'm gonna, as, as Michael Scott famously said, mo money, mo problems. Amen. For those of you who don't get it, don't worry. It's fine. For those of you who do, you're welcome. <laughs> More stuff is not the answer to fulfill the hole in your life. If you don't believe me, go watch an episode of Hoarders. 
watched a fascinating documentary on Netflix this past week called Minimalism. Almost anti-materialism, but, but the concept is still the same. So, so people found out that, that filling their lives with stuff didn't make it complete. And so they've, they've taken the opposite approach now. And so in order to make my life complete, what I need is not more stuff. What I need is less stuff. So they'll sell their big houses, move into smaller spaces, and sell almost everything they have except the very basic essentials. It's a movement that's taking off. And in a lot of ways, I think that's good because it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a welcome change from the, the crazy materialism that we've seen in our culture. But, but let, let me tell you, more stuff isn't the answer. Less stuff by itself isn't the answer either. It comes down to trying to fill our God-shaped hole in our lives with something else. And nothing else was designed to fit that hole. Kind of like shoving a... a uh, round peg into a square hole might fill some of the space might even seem like it fits pretty well for, for a while but eventually stuff's going to start to leak and it's going to become obvious that there's still something missing now, now look we, we come here and, and maybe the people are legitimately hungry okay so they're asking Jesus hey we, we followed you over now to the other side of the of the lake, we've been walking, we're, we're hungry. So, so I don't, I don't want to use this to dismiss physical needs, because they're important. And, and we see that Jesus took care of people's physical needs. We see that he healed lame people. He gave blind people sight. He fed folks miraculously. But taking care of people's physical needs was never the end goal. He met physical needs in order to show people their spiritual need, and in order to show that he, if he had power to heal physical needs, he had power to heal spiritual needs. And so, so listen, if, if you see a, a hungry guy on the street, should you feed him? Listen, if, if you feel that tug at your heart and the Lord says, hey, I want you to to, to feed this guy, yes, feed him. But don't stop there. Because if that's all we do, we're just making this temporary life a little more comfortable on the road to hell, and we don't want to do that. The final thing that you will be frustrated in if you focus on is Moses. Now, 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 not, not Moses himself, okay, but in, in, in our text here, this is what the people were, were focusing on. So look with me at, at verses 32 and 33. So they've just said, um, just as it is written, he gave them bread to eat, from heaven to eat. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the bread from heaven. So apparently the people, the, the tradition that got spread around was that uh, Moses was the one who provided the manna in the wilderness for the people. That, that's, what, that's what these folks were saying here. Well, you know, Moses provided manna in the wilderness for, for the people. So, so surely you can do, you know, if, 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 if you're a leader like Moses, surely you can provide the, the same for us. In 33, Jesus says, For the bread of God... 
is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, now here's why I say if we focus on Moses, we're going to continually be frustrated. Because in this case, I think Moses can represent an earthly leader. So if your focus is on the right leader, man, all we need is the right leader and everything will fall into place. And here's why I say that's wrong, because Judas Iscariot had the greatest leader the world had ever seen. And he still refused to follow. If, if you're familiar with uh, John Maxwell's writing at all, leadership guru, uh, he's said that everything rises and falls on leadership. Now, most of the time, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of what Maxwell says. And it's not that leadership is unimportant, but, but listen to me. If we're talking about following after God's leading in our lives, earthly leadership is not the be-all and end-all. It's important. But listen, I would, I would much rather have a mediocre leader who is fully submitted to God. That's the end game. Now, now, listen, I understand I'm saying this as a leader of, of an organization, okay, as a pastor. And so I'm not trying to remove the, the burden that's on me to lead well. But I also know that when I look at leaders in the Bible, there are very few, maybe zero, that, that had it all together. And yet God used them in powerful ways. Right? Why? Because they were submitted to him. And so, so listen, I think this applies in, in your job. If you've got a boss that, that's not what you want your boss to be, don't point fingers because we have some bosses in the room, right? So, so, so if, if you've got a boss that's not what you think your boss should be, the, the answer is not, well, we just need a clean house and get a new boss and that will fix it. The answer is I need to pray for my boss and I need to submit to their leadership as I submit to the Lord. When I can, when I can submit to them, submit to those in authority. And the answer in churches, when they're not heading in the, in the, the right direction, is not necessarily we just need to replace the, the leader at the top. I'm not saying that to protect my own job, okay? I'm thinking way, way, way beyond just this, but that, that's not the, that's sometimes the easy answer. It's not always the right answer. Rather, we need to submit ourselves as the body to Christ's leadership. Rather than looking for a leader like Moses, which is funny because, uh, you know, we just need a leader like Moses, really, because people didn't follow him either. Here, here's the one thing that will fulfill us. You, you will be fulfilled if you focus on this one thing, the Messiah. Look at me at verse 34. They said, sir, give us this bread always. You're talking about this bread that comes from heaven that, that will fulfill everybody? All right, then give it to us. What's really interesting here in John chapter 6 is these words almost are identical to what the woman at the well told Jesus in John chapter 4. Give me this water that you speak of, this living water so that I don't have to keep coming here. I won't keep getting thirsty and have to keep trudging and bringing my pot here to the well. 
Give us this bread. And in verse 35, Jesus says these words, I am the bread of life. You've been looking in all the wrong places. I'm right here. And then look at this promise that Jesus gave them. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Again, these are very similar words to, to what he told the woman at the well. The water I give will never run out. It will become a well springing up to eternal life. Now again, like, like it happens so often, Jesus was speaking in spiritual terms. So he was up here. People are talking about, people are thinking on, on physical levels. So Jesus is talking up here. The people are thinking down here. I am the bread of life. And, and you can imagine the, the weird looks that he's getting. Did, 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 did he just say we got to eat him? Is, is that what he's saying? Jesus, what are you talking about? You're the bread of life. Nobody, everybody comes to you will never be hungry again. Everybody believes in you will never be thirsty again. And then he, one of the most important things for a believer, one of the biggest questions I think believers have, particularly new believers, and in some cases, believers who followed Jesus for a really long time, how do I know? Or as the old evangelist used to say, how do you, do you know that you know that you know? How, how do we know for sure that I have eternal life? How do I know that I have this bread of life? And Jesus says right here, everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. What a promise. Come to me, I'll never cast you out. So, so, so what do I have to do? Come to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Or the old, another old evangelist thing, believe on Jesus. There's, there's a difference between believing that a stool will hold you up and actually believing on the stool, right? I gotta believe on him. I gotta put my weight on him. Believing. Not just saying, yeah, yeah, sure, I believe Jesus is the Messiah, or I throw my life on him and say, listen, I'm, I have no, nowhere else to go. I believe you are the Messiah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that if I come to you, I'll never be hungry again. So, so what does that mean? Does that mean that you're not ever going to have physical hunger? No, of course not. Does it mean that I'm never going to be tempted to look at shiny stuff and go, you know what, if, if I just add this one little gadget to my life, if, if I get the iPhone 8 Plus, it's basically the size of, of, a, of, a, of an iPad, right? Hello? If I, if I get that thing, my life will finally be complete. No, of course we're going to do that, right? Why? Because our, our culture is saturated with that very belief. There's, there's a weird irony, right, that on the day after we spend time giving thanks, people... Uh, beat each other up over junk that they don't really need, but that somehow they've been convinced that this is the one thing that will make my life worth living again. 
As believers, certainly we're not immune to that. That's why passages like this are so important for us to take a step back and say, listen, even if, if I never earn another cent in my life, have God's blessings on my life to this point not been enough? Has he not already been far better to me than I could have ever asked or imagined or deserved? You know, I find it really interesting what happens to the crowd. So Jesus here just told them, listen, if you come to me, you will never be hungry again. If you believe in me, you will never be thirsty again. And I almost get this picture in my mind of, of the crowd standing around looking at each other going, so, so he's not going to feed us? Is that what he's saying? He's, he's, not, he's, he, he, he's not giving us a meal. We've got to go to Taco Bell. He's, he's not going to feed us again. Because in verse 66, in John chapter 6, verse 66, look at this. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. When they realized that Jesus was not going to keep them entertained with more miracles and meals, many of the people walked away. And then Jesus turns to his disciples. He turns to the twelve. He turns to the men who had already left so much to come follow him. Turns to guys like Peter, James, John, who left their fishing business. Literally left their nets sitting on the beach to follow after Jesus. And he says, all right, so you, you see everybody else leaving. Here's your chance. Are, are, are you going to go too? And look at Peter's reply. Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. So, so there are two reactions to Jesus here. There, there's the crowds who say, you know what? No, no more dog and pony show. We're, we're out. And the disciples saying, Lord, we abandoned everything to follow you. We have nowhere else to go. We're all in. You have the words of eternal life. So the big question today is, of course, not how they responded. How do you respond? Do you want to follow Jesus just because of what he can do? Do you want to follow him because of who he is? Because he alone has the words of eternal life. Because he alone will satisfy when everything else falls apart. Now, like, like I said a while ago, I can't promise there will never be rough days. I can't promise that you'll never look at your bank account and look at your bills and, and go, man, those two things don't line up. And not in the good way. What I can promise is that when everything else collapses, Christ will sustain you on the hardest days and the days that you can't even imagine. 
So what do we do then? How do we live? Paul makes it sound really simple in Colossians 3.1. So then if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He goes on in verse 2 and says, not the stuff that's below. Because here's what I've learned. You're going to walk where you're looking. If you're looking around at the stuff down here, stuff that's shiny, stuff that makes great promises, all you need is an unlimited data plan and all your worries will go away. For only $700 a month, yes, you too can have an get tripped up by, by the stuff in this world or we get our eyes up and look where Christ is and say, I'm following him because even though there's some stuff down here that looks kind of good, I trust that, he's, that, that what he offers is better. So my question, my, my final question for you this morning is where are you? Have you come to Christ Jesus? Have you asked him to be your Savior? Have you surrendered your life to his leading? You asked him to forgive your sins. If not, I pray that today's the day. That you say, Christ, just like the disciples, I'm all in. Because you have the words of eternal life. Maybe you're here today and you've been a believer for, for a while, but you focused on some stuff that makes the promise of, of satisfying, but it doesn't really in the end. So maybe you just need to spend some time at the altar this morning praying and, and asking God to redirect your attention on him. To come and partake of the bread of life. trusting that it's going to satisfy when nothing else will. However the Lord's leading you in these next few moments, you respond. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the blessing that it is to gather in this room with, with your body. God, there's so many things in this world that that give the promise of joy, give the promise of life. But in the end, they don't hold up their end of the bargain. So I pray this morning we would turn our eyes on you. The bread of life, the one thing that satisfies when nothing else can. May we individually trust in you. May we as the body of believers gathered as First Baptist Church of Alan Magordo trust you and you alone. Move in these next few moments. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alan Magordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alan Magordo, New Mexico. If you'd like to contact us, please use the contact us form at www.fbcalamo.com to get in touch with us and let us know how we can pray for you or serve you. If you have a question for Pastor Kyle, you can contact him by email at kyle at fbcalamo.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you and have a good week.